0: You know, uh, it's an interesting thing. David was talking about how evangelism happens and so forth. And the reality is this. Jesus says, you are my witnesses. He didn't say, I'm asking you to be my witnesses. He didn't say, you could be my witnesses. I wish you were my witnesses. He says, you are my witnesses. So the question then is, what kind of witness are you? It's not whether you are one or not. It's what kind of a witness are you? And all of us are witnesses whether we like it or not. Once you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, you now become an ambassador for God. You now belong to Jesus and what happens after that has a lot to do with our commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, we, uh, as, as my life went on, I, I was very blessed by the Lord. I, I received the Lord when I was six years old, about nine you know. So I've been a a Christian for a while, but I was very blessed to be in a family, church family, that was very much interested in seeing people come to Jesus. So my entire life, I watched people come to Jesus. I watched it through many different ways. I watched through personal evangelism, the people leading people to Jesus Christ, my Great aunt was unbelievable at bringing people to Jesus. When they had her memorial service, I still remember to this day, it was packed. There's probably 400, 500 people there. And one by one, they would come up and they say, This woman led me to Jesus Christ. This woman cared for me. This woman helped me. This woman gave to me. The interesting thing about my Aunt Lorraine, was that she spent a lot of time sick in bed. She wasn't a healthy person. And yet, she had a significant influence in God's kingdom. Now, typically, you think of somebody who's a good evangelist who's out there, you know, and he's, it's one of these A-type personalities, and... They're just going for it. And there are those who do that and are blessed by God. But I'm just telling you, that's not the requirement. A lot of people say, well, I'm just not, <laughs> that's just not me. I, <laughs> I have a hard time saying anything to anybody. I'm just kind of a quiet person. Well, I understand that. I, my wife, <laughs> my poor wife, married a very, very outgoing person. He died several years later, no. no, I'm kidding. And she herself does not want any attention. I'm just the opposite. When we were first married, I went out and bought a limousine. you don't think people notice limousines when you drive down the street? She just died the whole time, Jesus. Did not want to. It worked out really good when we went to funerals, though. I got to fall right in behind the guy. I'm not kidding you, I was falling right behind. It was great. Kids loved it because there was a whole bunch of places just before seatbelts and laws and all that junk. They used to play on the floor in the limousine. Uh, plenty of room down there. But Denise is not somebody who, in fact, we had people coming they were in the church for two years, two years. And they, and they met Denise and they said, Oh, you're his husband? I didn't know that you were his wife. You're his wife. Yeah. We knew you. <laughs> what did David say about being old? <laughs> yeah. They didn't even know she was my wife because Denise is not an upfront person. But I want to tell you, she has a huge impact. Huge impact. So it's not personality. It's not the things you think, according to the world system, would make somebody a great evangelist. A great evangelist. It is simply this. God and God alone. It's God and God alone. I'm going to give you an illustration of that. David mentioned that we moved down to Orange, California. There were... Fifteen people in the church, when we, our family joined, we, we increased it a lot of percentage by five people. You know, that's quite a percentage growth right there. We're up to 20. <laughs> but one of the first things I did, as we, by the way, we did this property when we, uh, when we were given an opportunity to, be, to get this property, we went around the entire property and prayed. Do you remember that? Yeah. that we, were, we hadn't even gotten the property yet. We, just, we came over. We were, we were at the coast. We came on a bus. Whole bus got off. And we went around and prayed around the whole property. Dedicated to the Lord. So I had done that. I had done that in Orange. I had just gone around the property and said, Lord, this is your place. I dedicate it unto you. I ask for your protection, your blessing. Consecrate make holy these grounds. One day I was in the parsonage and a knock came at the door. And uh, I went to answer. There's a young man there, probably 20 something. And he says, are you the pastor? I said, who wants to know? No, I didn't really. I I said, yes. He said, well, uh, I just had an amazing thing happen to me and God told me to come and share it. It says, I was walking down the sidewalk, and when I touched the sidewalk in front of the church, God convicted me. And I fell to my knees and wept and asked Jesus Christ into my heart. So I'm going, I thought you had to learn the four spiritual laws. Law one, God loves you. Has a wonderful plan for your life. Law two, man is sinful, separated from God. I thought you had to do the Roman's Road. I thought you had to do something to get people saved. I thought it was what I did that did it. And this guy was walking down the street. And God. And God. And God taught me a lesson right then and there. It's always God. It's never the instrument. It's always Him. He prepares the hearts. He convinces he changes. He gives grace. We're just messengers. And sometimes we're just receivers. And <laughs> some water, some plants, some water, some harvest. Sometimes we're just the one who receives what somebody else has already done. But it's always God. It's always God. How am I going to be a witness? It's not that way. It is, you are a witness. How can I be ready and willing when God calls? And it's very, very pleasurable, extremely satisfying to be used of God to lead people to Jesus, to see the change on their face, to see the release of all that burden and all that care and all that stuff that's been in their life. Be released. And the best witnesses typically are brand new people Christ. Why? Because they're excited about it. You know, they can't keep still about it. They got to share it. It's just an amazing thing to happen. And that builds upon itself. So that when I was early on in college and we had four people came to me and asked me to do a Bible study. And I did a Bible study and God began to work. Okay, there we go. (laughs) And God stepped outside. And and week after week, people I didn't even know, kids, junior high, high school age, week after week we had an average of six a week come to Jesus every single week. We, we ran out of homes to go to because we'd say can, can we meet in your home and they'd say okay so can you imagine this we can meet in your home yeah okay we'll be here and uh, Friday night and all of a sudden 60 kids are in your front room. not kidding 60 junior high high school age kids and you're hanging from the chandeliers you know it wasn't me I was along for the ride. Literally, I was along for what God was doing. You see, it's all about Him. But it was such a blessing to be a part of that. Never forgotten it. When I went to school in Newburgh at George Fox was then college, now university. The... uh, One of my instructors got me a job as a youth pastor at the local Baptist church. Conservative Baptist church. And with the emphasis on conservative, which was really funny, because I wasn't really conservative. But anyway, they had the usual type Sunday school kids. In those days, if your parents went to church, you went to church. Until you were 18, you were in that church. If you're in their household, you're gonna be in that church. You know what kind of uh, people tend to show up in that kind of a situation? The ones that fold their arms like this and say, try. I've already been through elementary. I've been through junior high. You're not going to touch me. I'm just not here for you at all. But you know what? God. (laughs) One Sunday, God fell on those kids and one by one every single one of them either received Jesus for the first time or rededicated their lives to Jesus Christ all on the same Sunday parents are wondering what happened in there all my kids coming out all their eyes are red and they're tearing up and they, what did you do yell at my kids I said, no I said God did that <laughs> I went and started playing football and, of course, up here, you know, it rains a lot during football season. So we call it, it was mud football, really what it was. And uh, I just started sharing Jesus. One by one, these young men started accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. These grew from, grew from 8 to 30, 35 to 40. It's very interesting how God works. If you get the boys, the girls will come. That's, that's just another thing I used to tell youth pastors. It doesn't matter how God does it. you can have girls and the boys come. I don't care how which way. It, it's God, no matter what. It wasn't me. I'm just going to tell you right now. It wasn't me. It was him. It's trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And don't you try and figure it out. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't do it, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct the paths. Went to a church here in town, Quaker church. No, they didn't wear the hats and eat oatmeal. They they look just like you and I. And they had, once again, the old Sunday school kids that were there. Six or seven, eight, whatever it was. And God directed me to do an outreach. So I went to the elders and expressed what I wanted to do. And they said, well, go ahead. No money, but go ahead. And, uh, but I knew God was asking me to do it. We put on this thing called Yo Week, Youth Outreach. But in those days, this might tell you what time it was. Sylvester Stallone used to say, Yo. So we built off of that, Yo, Yo Week, Youth Outreach. On the Friday night, the conclusion of the week, we had over 200 kids, high school kids. We had this group called the Power Team which they lifted weights and they tore phone books in half and they gave their testimony about what Jesus did in their lives. And we had almost 200 kids except Jesus Christ that one night alone. It wasn't by might and it wasn't by anything we did. It's being obedient. Where he leads me I'll follow. God will put something in your heart. Act on it. You'll find situations arise all the time. When you're sensitive. And watching. When you're ready. To use to the Lord. In Acts chapter 8, it says. But you will receive. dunamis power. Miraculous power. You'll receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Wherever you go, God is there. And you're his witness. But you're endued or empowered by God. I, 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 that's not really me. Amen. If it's not you, guess who it is? Exactly. God never fails. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you're the light of the world. And just like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, that's who you are. No one would light a lamp and put it under a basket. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. We used to uh, learn biblical truths as children. And in this one, we used to do, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 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 Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You're a light. The light of God that is in you will shine bright if we'll get out of the way. Just just let God's light shine. Just let it shine. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. They were under persecution, under a lot of problems that were going on. And they said, and, and, and uh, they, they were up in the room and they prayed, Give us your servants great boldness in preaching the word. Grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Who is going to do the signs and wonders? God. Can I be a part of that? Lord, can I have a touch of that? Can I just sign up? Where do I sign up to be a part of that? So there's a great theological thing going on in the 70s. Jesus' movement was going crazy. People coming to Jesus left and right. And here's what the Bible says. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself. Do you see where my finger is? That's exactly what was going on. People are going, one way, one way to Jesus. Well, that's not very broad-minded, is it? Aren't there many ways that lead? One way! And people were shouting, one way, one way, one way, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And thousands, literally thousands, came to know Jesus Christ when he was lifted up. They called it the Jesus People Movement. (laughs) Did I tell you what it was about? It was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Sharing about Jesus. What Jesus did in their lives. How he changed their lives. How he gave them purpose. How he gave them hope. How he gave them freedom from all their cares and burdens it was all about Jesus one way Jesus and then there were signs and wonders one of the most controversial was unknown languages King James they called it Tongues. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. Tongue simply meant language. But they made something different out of this whole thing. Started calling it tongues. As if it was something different. You see, at the Tower of Babel, God confused the language of the people. And spread them across the world. And created tongues. At Pentecost, he gave them empowerment to speak in their own language. And if you look back in that early Acts, you'll see. They heard in their own language. That's what it was. Well, this whole thing sprung up. And then signs and wonders. And people calling it all kinds of stuff. And creaturely activity. People would rail against it. And I was starting to buy some of it because one of the guys was a super Bible teacher, a really, really good Bible teacher. He was saying that was a time period it's gone. Then God sent me to Orange. And God began to do miracle after miracle after miracle. Gynecoma, three weeks, almost died. Came out. And the next day he was on a plane home. Impossible. According to medical things. People were getting healed. Miracles were happening. And people were getting saved. It's amazing how that works. It gets people's attention. One of the little junior high kids, when he was about six years old, got some kind of an infection and lost his hearing. He could talk, couldn't hear a thing. Came to church, and we said God can do mighty things. He went right back to the prayer room right after the service. And I'm out greeting people, and one of the elders goes, Shh, Dave! Yeah? you got to come back here. We've been praying for people, but this one, he's deaf. I said, don't worry. God will take care of it. No, you, you come, won't you, please? <laughs> well, I'd never prayed for a deaf person before. Never have. I didn't know anything. So I went back. I put my hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. I said, all this stuff that I said. And I said, can you hear me? And he goes, let me think. Then I remember I watched television. You know, the ones that were doing miracles. And this one guy, he uh, he sticks a finger in one ear and a finger in the other ear. <laughs> and he kind of rolls his fingers. Wipes off the wipe. No, I'm saying, saying, And he says, Spirit of deafness, come out! So... Being shy and everything, I, junior high kid, boop, boop, and I shout as loud as I could, Spirit of Deafness, come out! And he goes, what are you yelling about? I said, can you hear me? And he goes, yes. I want to tell you something, it wasn't the method, the most stupid thing in the world. I mean, if I had to do that all the time, I'd really be bad off. It wasn't. It wasn't the method. It was God. People come to Jesus. What's God going to use to bring them to Jesus? Now, what are you going to use to bring them to Jesus? God didn't tell you you have to come up with a plan. I, I did all those things. I took evangelism class in college, and we had to learn all this stuff. Four spiritual laws, the Roman road, all the different ways. Confrontational evangelism doesn't work real well. You're a sinner and you're going to hell, don't you know that? Or Daniel when he was just a little kid, first grade I think it was, found out one of his friends was a Mormon. He goes, oh no, you're going to hell. Not the best form of evangelism. <laughs> but he was really concerned, you know, he was his friend. Confrontational evangelism, I don't, I'm not a real strong believer in that unless God tells you to do it. But lifestyle evangelism, I'm a very big fan of, if it's part of your life. You see, people can't argue with your testimony they can argue theology, they can argue philosophy, they can argue all kinds of junk. What they can't argue with is my life has been changed by Jesus. And let me tell you what it's done. Your testimony is the strongest thing you have as a witness of who Jesus is in your life. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. No. No. You know we got this is being filmed it's going to go on, on the internet it means hundreds of people are going to see it don't I look good <laughs> if I was going to say something I'd say this God loves in fact the bible says God is the essence of love he is love God is love and he loves us he loves you he loves me he loves us so much that he gave his son his son to pay the price for everything we've done wrong and like a giant eraser goes to the chalkboard of our lives boy that's an old expression isn't it (laughs) Back in the old days you used to have these boards, they were black. They'd take stock and they'd write on them. I don't know what you'd use for a modern equivalent of that. Uh, they, uh, take in a, they take a magnet and erase the hard disk. And everything that you've ever done, everything regret, every regret that you've ever had is gone. No evidence of it whatsoever. It's gone. Gone, gone, gone. Every bit of it. Who doesn't want to hear that all the regrets can be wiped away? Who doesn't want to hear that somebody loves them, actually cares about them? You have to have a pretty hard heart to reject that. And God doesn't waste his time he has people who are already. So here's what Jesus said The fields are white unto the harvest. There's already people waiting to come to me. Will you go out and help me reap the harvest? I'll give you the power, I'll give you the strength, I'll give you all the tools, whether it's miracles or whatever it takes. You just be my light in the darkness. Your hand with healing power, miracles, signs and wonders. It says, after this, the place they were meeting shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. one so seven says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. <laughs> if you're timid, it doesn't come from God. But you've got to get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Go tell it on the mountains. Tell it in the valleys. Tell it everywhere you go. Jesus Christ loves you Jesus Christ loves you. He wants to wipe away every tear. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you goals. He wants to give you joy. He wants to change your life.